and welcome to a special edition of the Full and Focus podcast. My name is Matthew Baldwin and I'm delighted to be your host as we look back at arguably one of the greatest nights in Fulham's history. Fulham 4, Juventus 1. It is of course the 10th anniversary of this fairy tale and joining me to run through it are Matt Dom and the person I like to call our boss, Danny Boy. So let's go. Fulham. Let's start at the beginning then. 3-1 down from the first leg with a slither of hope, thanks to that very fortunate away goal from Dixon Atuhu. Honest opinion here, guys. Did you think we were still in the tie going into the second leg? When you know when you were walking through, uh, through Craven Cottage, were you thinking, this is going to be a nightmare? Or did you think, yeah, I reckon we have. Dom, over to you first. Yeah, it was a kind of just let's see how this goes sort of thing. I think if it wasn't... Um... Juventus in the in in Europe, you kind of think uh, oh, it's one of those ones where it's probably over, isn't it? But you have to go because, as we say, it's Juventus in the Europa League. Um, you sort of think we we needed to be one goal back, really, one goal behind, or or to have got a result there. It felt like it was over, but you know, as things were going that season, it was sort of we've always got a chance because this team was so such a good unit together. So. So yeah, it, it did feel like we, we didn't have much of a chance, but but you know, once you've got you've got you need a chip in a chair and uh, you you're you're still in it, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I must admit my feelings were on the night. I thought we could do well. I remember putting a bet on I think it was a one all uh Bobby Zamora to score first. So I knew we we'd have a chance in the game, but in regards to the overall tie, I I thought I thought we were dead and buried. Personally, Danny, what about you? Yeah, no, I I still thought it was on. Um, I went to the first leg in Turin, and although we lost 3-1, it was probably the worst performance we had of the entire competition. It's strange to come away from a tie away to Juventus feeling disappointed to lose when you're Fulham. But they were Juventus in name, and that's it. They they just come off the back of a couple of years previous being relegated um, for breaking rules. I don't want to go into that. I can't remember what it was. They lost, basically lost all their players and, and kept a couple of legends that that stayed to get them back to the top flight. Um, to put it into perspective, they finished seventh that season we played them and finished seventh the year after and then one and won eight titles in a row, which is where we are to the present day. So the Juventus we played was very, very average. It's probably the worst Juventus side in history. Um, we played terrible in the first half and... and we was very much in our shell. I, th- I think we struggled to adjust to life without Danny Murphy, who was suspended. There was no creativity in the middle. And, I mean, I think they only had three or four shots in the entire game. But, you know, we, we went in at halftime, 3-1 down. Second half was much better. But the damage was already done in the first half. So I remember we flew back um, straight after the game. And I remember being at, at Gatwick. Uh, on the, on the platform, waiting for a train, talking to a couple of other fans at like two o'clock in the morning, thinking that a two goal was priceless. I mean, arguably the most important goal of the tie. Um, and I thought to myself, we can keep this tie and, and play to our best. We're only we've only got to win two nil. So the whole week, I, I was pretty um, optimistic. I, I thought we'd still had a chance, and obviously. That absolutely went to pieces within about three minutes of the game. But going into the game, I thought we could do it. 
Fair enough. You fair enough. You obviously had a lot more confidence than I'd, I'd probably say the majority of Fulham fans. Now getting onto the game itself, obviously it was a bit of a disastrous start, which just added to the script and uh, the, you know the whole picture of everything. David Trezeguet scored in the first couple of minutes uh, to realistically, you know, put the tie to bed. You know, I remember a guy sat in front of me, a couple of rows in front of me, got up and walked out because he said, "Nah, that's it. We're done." Um, Go back and look at the footage. You, you can make the argument that it was a foul by David Trezeguet holding down Aaron Hughes uh, for so long. But anyway, we, we move on from that. We then equalised pretty quickly through Bobby Zamora. Um, but Fabio Cannavaro was sent off for bringing down Zoltan Gira in the 26th minute when he was deemed to be the last man. Now, going back and looking at this, again, it's another one of these things that arguably changed the tie because Fabio Cannavaro is a fine defender, you know, arguably the best defender Italy has produced in the past 20 years or so. Um, so it's obviously a key moment. Um, Danny, do you think there was a red card going back and looking at it? You no, know, taking your biased feelings out of it. Was it a red card? Uh, I don't think it is a red card. When you look, they, they've got a couple of defenders round on the cover and Zoltan Gira wasn't exactly the quickest of players. So the, the ball's played through. It's played through at an angle, which is taking him away from the goal anyway. And personally, I, I think the defender would have got to the ball first, the other defender. So I think it was a booking. It was definitely a free kick, of, of course, but he was obviously sent off, uh, deemed to be the last man stopping a goal-scoring opportunity. And for me, he wasn't the last man. So uh, we definitely rode our luck on that occasion, in my opinion. And it couldn't have been a better player to go off. He was their leader, their captain. And without him on the pitch, their organisation just went to pot at the back. Yeah, absolutely. I think in a in a VAR world, there's a I, I don't. I think that red card probably gets overturned because, as you said, there are a couple of defenders around him, and it was a bit of a fifty fifty. Don, same question to you. Yeah, I think we'd have been furious if it had been given against us, and and Cannavaro was rightly so, I think. But um, even before that, I thought Bobby Zamora was bullying him. Cannavaro obviously is, you know, his World Cup winner and his uh, record speaks for himself. But Bobby Zamora was absolutely bullying him even before that and I think um I think that partly contributed to the the, the kind of panic that he did to pull down uh Gira there definite free kick don't know if it would have gone differently if it had been a yellow card it probably would have done to be fair but as I said Bobby Zamora was having the game of his life up to that point yeah so it, it was it was not a red card but um we needed luck in order to get anything out of that game really yeah, absolutely. We need a little bit of luck. And the only thing that really would have turned that, that whole thing, because I think from that resulting free kick, Bobby Zamora had an absolute storm. It was heading towards the top corner, but Meninga made an absolutely fantastic save. I remember I, I recorded it, uh, that that footage. I still have it somewhere in the back of my uh, back, in the back of my hard drive somewhere. I have that footage because I thought it was going to be a goal. But anyway, moving on. Uh, the red card was a bit of a turning drive, point. I knew I knew you were going to say that, and I know Frenchie's making the same comments hey. in the background listening. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. Either way, the red card was a, was very much a turning point in the match, as we've discussed. And we managed to get a priceless second goal just before halftime through Zoltan Gira, Simon Davis with the assist. At halftime, what was the atmosphere like within the ground? Um, did you think that there was that little bit of building sense of, hang on, we only need one more to get it level. They've got 10 men. We're in the ascendancy. Was there that little bit of, hang on, lads, we might just be able to do this? Dom? Yeah, I think the first goal did that. Um, I, I was I was in the Putney end that night, um, not quite quick enough to get tickets in the Hammersmith end, but watching that first half in the Putney end was was, was quite something, actually, because we, we were really good. 
but even even kind of there was I mean, there were a few Juventus fans mixed around me. Um, it was a pretty good atmosphere to be in. But after that first goal, and especially the second one, they sort of went quiet. And even the Juventus fans, I think, could tell something was happening here. And we just we just didn't give up. We were just at them, attacking, going forward, bullying them the whole night long. And yeah, eventually we we saw how it ended up. But but yeah, there was a real. The, the disappointment from Trezeguet's goal didn't really last very long from from my experience of it. Yeah, I was sat in my usual seat in the Johnny Ainge stand and at half-time, I think naturally the atmosphere was buzzing. Don makes a great point. I think the Zamora goal was probably the, the most important goal of the game because it, we responded so quickly to go in behind. So it, there wasn't time to really sulk or, or think about the tie being over because the momentum was automatically switched back towards us. Uh, and I think it also caught them by surprise, because I think they was maybe took their foot off the gas straight away and thought, well, this is going to be an easy night. Of course, and then, and then Gira scoring just before half-time. I mean, the timing of the first two goals really knocked the stuffing out of them, plus the red card. The momentum was 100% in our favour, and... I think naturally, I don't think it matters who the opposition was. I think the way the game was going, uh, I think you'd naturally got to be optimistic in that situation. It, we was given the best opportunity in the second half we could have possibly asked for, and we took it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's half time. We then move on to the second half, and it was a bit of a perfect start to the second half as we win a penalty for handball. Damien Duff's cross striking the hand of their Brazilian playmaker, Diego, on the hand. With Danny Murphy suspended for both legs and after his red card in Donetsk, which still baffles me what he was doing there, Zoltan Gira took over penalty duties and levelled the tie. Now, Zoltan Gira seemed to be involved with pretty much everything on the night, getting Cannavaro sent off, scoring two goals, pretty much orchestrating that Zamora-Gira partnership that more or less was the backbone of our entire season that year. Was this night his best performance in a Fulham shirt, taking every sort of taking everything into account? Dom, to you. Um, I mean, on on the spot, I probably yeah, because I can't really think of one where he was better. But but really, all through that that run that we got to the final, he was he was incredible. Him, Davies, and Zamora as well. They were all just played out of their skin, and that it was performances from those three. We didn't really see that level in the league. I don't think that was that was their their kind of season, wasn't it? That Europa campaign. Gira was incredible. He was chasing after everything. The, I think the first goal wouldn't, wouldn't have really happened without his determination to get there. And really good penalty, actually. I remember because, as, as I said, I was at the other end. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. It makes you, for some reason, it makes you more nervous when you're not directly behind it going in. And, and when you're there behind the goal, you kind of feel like you've got more of an impact in where it's going. I don't know why you think that, but but it's kind of the way. Um, but it was a great penalty. And was it was it generous again that penalty I don't know I, I remember thinking at the time it was a bit of a harsh call but you know again as we said we needed that luck but Giro was incredible and I, I'm not I can't pick him out as the hero of, of the night because uh Zamora Davis Dempsey they're all there as well weren't they um but but yeah he, he was excellent yeah I think it's pretty much a, a sort of team I don't think it's I, th- I think it'd be quite harsh to sort of single out a single person for that night because you know other than you know the slip for you know the foul on Aaron Hughes. It was a pretty much perfect performance all the way around. If it weren't for that early goal, you know we beat Juventus four 0 It's a great team result. Danny, same question, same question to you. Do you think that this was Gira's best performance in a Fulham shirt? And again, 
in uh, following on from what uh, Mr. Dom said, do you think that he's really stood out on this occasion, or is he just sort of part of a of, of a grander thing? Well, I, I think that the entire tournament was um, a credit to the team as a collective. You know, it was it was a one off for a club of our kind. But I think realistically, uh, player for player, there were two or three that I think really pushed themselves to the limit. Like that, they, they were playing beyond anything that anyone thought they were capable of playing. The likes of Dixon and Tuhu. I'd put Gira in that bracket. I thought Gira was a bang average player for, for his, his stay at Fulham, bar that Europa season. And when you uh, break down what he did in that uh, Europa campaign, he scored the, the goal in a 1-0 win over Sofia. If he doesn't score that goal, we don't um, go through the group stage. Vital win. He scored the winner in Basel. Uh, he scored the winner in the semi-final. The goals against Juventus. I mean, he really stepped up to the plate. But I think on the night, I'd have to give credit to the midfielders because to play two legs without Danny Murphy, I'm not sure who played in the league. I'm not sure if it was Chris Baird or Jonathan Green and played with a two-who. But to play without Danny Murphy and, and to hold your own in the way that they did, a two-who obviously scoring as well in the first leg, which proved vital. Yeah, I, I think it's very difficult to, to put it down to one player, but... Answering the question, I, yeah, I do think it was Gira's best game in the Fulham shirt. He was he was outstanding on the night, but as were all eleven. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we saw a cover this. This is I I I don't know who got mad of the match that night. I'm assuming it would have gone to Zoltan Gira, but you can make the argument really it was you know eleven eleven men of the match. Let's put it that way. So moving on to what I think. I think the majority, in fact, I think every single Fulham fan, and not even Fulham fans, football fans in general, remember about this night. So Clint Dempsey comes on, and the rest is history. I think we all know what's going on. It's going to be pointless sort of talking through the goal itself and your memories of it, countless people have done that before. So let's think about it a different way. Was it a shot or was it a cross? Danny, to you first. Yeah, I mean, I've never quite understood this argument. For me, it's 100% deliberate. It's a shot. I think the technique decides that for me. If it was a cross, you know, you've seen seen it in the past where someone whips in a ball from out wide and you can tell by the way they, they, they try and whip it in that it's a cross. And sometimes they get it a bit too straight and it goes direct into the top, you know, far corner and catches the keeper off guard. Uh, it doesn't quite have that whip to come back round into the box. But this, he dinks it. He doesn't try and cross it. He dinks it, which for me is a deliberate chip to the far post. Now, you could argue that it it was still a, a dink towards the far post, hoping a bit of a hit and hope, hoping someone was coming round to header it in. But then you look at who was taking the shot or the cross. And for me, that type of shot, is something only a quite selfish player would do because it didn't look like it was on. I think you've got to have a lot of balls to try and do that. I think you've got to have a lot of desire to be the hero and score the winning goal. And I think Dempsey was the kind of player that would want to take that last-minute penalty, even though he knew he wasn't the best penalty taker in the team because he wanted you know, be the hero and the glory. And for me, that decides it for me. I, I think he was trying to score. I think he was going for the glory. and. What can you say? For me, it's genius. 
bit fortunate that Uncle Festa was in goal. I mean, I don't know what's worse, the fact that he looked like Uncle Festa or the fact that he looked about 60. But, you know, talk about riding your luck. Buffon's out injured. Alex Manningers, uh gets injured after the first leg. And they have to put in a guy who's playing his, it plays the last game of his footballing career. Yeah, and I've actually checked that on Soccer Base. That was the last appearance, and I'm not surprised. But um, having said that, you know, not the best goal in Fulham history because that goes to Kasami for me, but certainly the greatest because it just ticks all boxes. I mean, he couldn't have timed it any better. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, your point there, probably just, I was probably rambling a little bit earlier when I said it. It wasn't Alex Meningringo, it was whoever it was. His name escapes me. But the fact that it was his last ever game as a professional sort of tells you how much of it. For some reason, I thought it was a Meningringo. But anyway, um, back to the thing. I think your tech, your sort of answer there sort of answers it. Um, I think it was I think it was a shot because, again, just the technique and the way it was. And, again, just a little, a little bit of luck in there. But I, I think it was a great... For the life of me, I don't know if anyone's ever sort of established this. Has he ever said it in an interview where someone's asking the question? We 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 just we'll just we'll just never know until someone actually asks him the question. But until now, we'll we'll sort of be the the unofficial voices of the uh, Dempsey Cross come shot debate. Uh, Dom, we'll let you have another another voice on this cross or shot. I'm I'm pretty sure he has said it. It it was a shot, um, and I've actually changed my mind on this over the years. Uh, to start with i was well it's definitely a shot why you know why else would he have like found the top corner with it and, and all that and i was giving him the credit the benefit of the doubt but i do think over the years i think it probably was a, a cross because just there was a fact he he didn't look he had no idea where the keeper was if the keeper was off his line and he knew it and he found the top corner then it's an absolutely magical goal i think he's gone to a bit of an angle and he's tried to dink it across the far post for Bobby Zamora to get onto because if there's a, if there's a striker in a, that you want on the end of a cross at the far post at that time of the game it would be Bobby Zamora um, so I don't know that I haven't I've always wanted it to be a shot because it sort of takes the edge off it a little bit by the fact it was it was a fluke but yeah I, I think I think it has to go down as a cross sorry lads yep that's fine so after the goal goes in, we sort of held on quite comfortably because the game sort of died down a little bit from then. I can't remember any sort of major chances from either from either team. You know, I don't remember Juventus having really that ma- that many attacking chances. It wasn't like you know, like the semi final when Rude van Nistelrooy had that chance in the six yard box. You now after after Zongira had scored, where it's high math. I don't remember any of those moments because um, Juventus were reduced to nine men. Uh, in stoppage time when Jonathan Sabina lost his head and lashed out at Damien Duff in front of the Johnny Haynes stands. And then we had the ecstasy of, you know, of the fi- of the final whistle going. Fulham come back from 4-1 down to win 5-4 on, you know, on aggregate against, against Juventus. And, you know, even if it weren't for the Dempsey goal and we'd have gone in, you know, 3-1 and had extra time, I think just the way the momentum was going and everything, I think we probably would have uh, beaten them in extra time as well. But the question, but the question remains. We've had a couple of great moments and a great nights at Craven Cottage since then. You know, there's the Derby game. There, well, that's the only that's the only one that's uh, sort of spring to mind immediately. Then there's always the Hamburg final. Many you know, defeats of big clubs since then. Is this the greatest match in Fulham's history? No, I think you know in sort of in the, the immediate history, 
probably post 2000. It's up there in the discussion, but I'm sure many older fans will say, you know, a great game against someone in the 1960s or, you know, the, the, from the FA cup run or something like that. So I'll open it. I'll open it up to you guys. Uh, Danny, you, you first, you're, I think you're pretty much going down as one of the more, um, your knowledge of Fulham history is better than mine. Let's just put it that way. So I'll open it up to you first. Was this the greatest match and the greatest night in Fulham's history? I've done a lot of research over the years, and I think my my history of the club is is reasonable. I wouldn't say it's the best, but you know I I can only really judge based on the thirty one years that I've been alive. But then you could say someone who's seventy who would have seen games in the sixties and fifties or whatever, you know they they can't really comment on what happened before that. So I think none of us have been alive since eighteen seventy nine. So it's always going to be subjective. I don't think any of us are ever going to be able to say 100%, yeah, that was definitely the best game in our history. But I think you need to put it into perspective. You know, yeah, we beat Ipswich 10-1 in, in the top division, but we were in the same division as, as them. You know, this is Juventus. When, you, when it's on paper and a neutral sees it, they don't need to, to know about the, the red card and all the luck that, that went our way on the night. All they need to know is... Fulham came back from 4-1 down to beat Juventus, 5-4. For me, it's got to be the biggest comeback in terms of stature between the two clubs. You know, we are Fulham. They are Juventus. Apart from Man United and Liverpool, they're the biggest club we've ever played in a competitive competition. And it wasn't like a pre-season friendly where it was a charitable, yeah, we'll play you, we'll give you a game. We were playing them because we deserve to be in the last 16 of a major European competition. So for me, it was a one-off. I don't think we'll see the likes of that in our time. Again, uh, the drama, the fact that they went one nil up so early on, added to the you know the script and and the, the the tension. Oh God, you know it's over. No, it's not over. Zamora scored the red card, the dodgy penalty. You know all all their goalkeepers being injured, having to put temp choice. Uncle Fester in goal. Clint Dempsey coming off the bench and scoring the goal of his career. I mean, just everything. If you was going to write a list of checkpoints, what you want in the greatest game in the club's history, it had everything. And for me, what makes it even more special is that the significance of it. Solskjaer's Man United had a great comeback against Paris Saint-Germain last year or the year before. Uh, unexpected. They, I think they lost the first leg at home and everyone was like, oh my God, what a great comeback in France. They went out in the next round. But that comeback led to the greatest achievement in our history. Without it, we wouldn't have got to the final. So for me, it, it's the ceiling of Fulham history. You know, we've never reached a higher point than that. Beating Juventus. And it was at the cottage, which I think makes it more romantic and more special. Uh, yeah, without a doubt for me. I, I don't even think it's an argument. Uh, it's, the, it's the greatest night in Fulham's history, in my opinion. Well, I was going to go to Matt Dobb and try and get his views on it, but I honestly don't think it's worth it because I don't think any of us could really put as eloquently or you know, any more eloquently than what you just said there. So I think we're just going to move on there. So the game's over. Everyone's leaving. Everyone's all joyous. Everyone's all happy. I remember being incredibly drunk. In fact, that's the only thing I can remember from that game. Because it was about because it was three days after my 18th birthday, and when you turn 18, you just want to drink every single pint that is ever in the world. So I was just incredibly drunk that whole day. But coming out of the game, there's obviously famous night 
did you think that, you know, this, I don't want to say a turning point, but do you think this was a really a, a proving ground for us? You know, now that we've been Juventus, who I think were the favourites at the time, did that give you a sense of, hang on, we might just be onto something here? Uh, Dom, I'll go, I'll go to you first, seeing as you didn't have a chance to uh, speak in the last one. Yeah, I mean, I thought we were going to go and win the whole thing after that because the stars had aligned. We, we've discussed that we had an element, a few elements of luck in that game. Uh, and we'd come back from 4-1 against Juventus to win 5-4. That just means we're supposed to go on and win the thing, doesn't it, really? I think um, I still can't quite believe that we lost in the final, to be honest, because it just felt like, why wouldn't we then go on and win? <laughs> if that makes sense, because of, of what we'd achieved to that point. Um, you know, we not only knocked out Juventus, we'd knocked out Shakhtar, who were probably the best team in the tournament. Yeah, it, it was destiny, and it <laughs> we just fell short of it, really. I couldn't see any other anything else other than going on to win it from that point, really. Uh, and Hamburg proved that point even more, uh, the way we came back again to do it. And there's only one more step, and we and we just fell short. But I suppose that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Falling short in the final, just we're Fulham. We were never quite meant to win it. Uh, we were always, always, always just that one step away, and we wouldn't have it any other way, would we? So, Danny, same question to you. What were your feelings come out of the game? Did you think that... I don't want to say that the tournament was ours for the taking because there were still some pretty big teams in there, you know, in their left. Um, Wolfsburg were the German champions. Liverpool were in there. We all know the team that went on to win it, all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't exactly, you know, a, a given that we'd, we'd been this top side. Now that was if the world was ours to conquer. It was still a pretty tough running. Uh, but what were your thoughts uh, after the game for it all? Oh, obviously buzzing, absolutely buzzing. You know, I couldn't believe what we just witnessed. Um, and, and despite Juventus being, like I said, quite an average team, I think they were a squad made up of legends that were just on their last legs. Uh, and, and, and going back to the point you made earlier about if Dempsey doesn't score, I think we win anyway in extra time because they were just too old. They wouldn't have been able to play t- uh, with 10 men for an extra 30 minutes. So the tie for me was done anyway. Um, but they, they they were a squad of old legends and average players that couldn't believe their luck that they were playing for Juventus because they were still recovering from the relegation that they suffered a couple of years earlier. But coming out of the ground, I mean, it just proved that nothing was impossible. That that was the crucial part of it. It was like, who does it matter who, who we draw in the, in, the, in the next round? This team has proved that they can beat Juventus. I mean, Juventus were the the favourites. More importantly, we beat the best team I've ever seen in my life over two legs in the round before in Shakhtar the Nets, who were the holders. You know, they, were, they were the European champions at the time. So to come off the back of beating those two, it just it seemed like, you know, why should we fear anyone? Um, I remember there, were, there was only eight teams left in it. You had Atletico Madrid, Liverpool. Uh, I think you had Valencia, Hamburg, Wolfsburg. And if you was going to pick which teams you fancy to get out of those kind of teams, you'd probably go to Wolfsburg or Hamburg. And we ended up with two on the route to the final. So, you know, I think we deserved to play two relatively average teams um, because Wolfsburg and, and Hamburg, no doubt, weren't as good as Shakhtar or, or Atletico. But, you know, it, it, it felt like it was written in the stars. I, I'm going to be uh, make a confession here. I completely underestimated Atletico Madrid. I went into that final the whole day. I, I was so happy because I thought, we're going to win. 
You know, they're, they're just Atletico Madrid. Who were they? Completely un- underestimated them. And Diego Forlan on the night was sensational. But we won't go there because we're, we're talking about the Juventus game. Um, the question was, did I think we were going to go on to win it? I thought we, we had every chance. Uh, I'm not saying I thought we were going to win it, but there was no one that I feared from that point on. Right. Once again, ever so eloquently put until that last couple of sentences when you happen to mention his name. So I know you're your I know you're the boss here, Danny, but I'm banning you from the podcast forever now because you mentioned that guy's name. So that that's it. You're not coming on anymore. But other well, than that, four lamb, four lamb, four lamb, four lamb. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, you're breaking my heart here, Danny. You're breaking my heart. Anyway, but we're not right. here to talk about the final. We've done that plenty of times before. So that really just about wraps up this, you know, momentous anniversary, nostalgic, whatever you want to call it, this extra special edition of the podcast. Thank you very much to our panel, to to Matt Dom and boss Danny Boy, uh, for sharing their memories of such an iconic feat and such a great achievement in our history. I'm Matthew Baldwin. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Please recommend us to your friends, your fellow Fulham supporters around the world. Tell them they can subscribe through their podcast provider of choice or via our website where we upload every single show. It's incredible to think that we are already a decade past that famous site, Craven Cottage. Just think of how many times we've relived that Dempsey memory over the past 10 years. And really, it never gets old. I think we'll be doing, we may even be doing a special 20th anniversary edition of this podcast when we'll probably be asking the same questions again, but maybe with a maybe with a different panel to get their memories of it all. So let's just end this with the only way that's really fitting Let's just sharing the commentary of that famous Clint Dempsey moment. Good night. It's two who? Dempsey. And Dempsey will try and chip one. Wonderful. Absolutely brilliant. A sensational goal from Clint Dempsey. May well have knocked Juventus out. Just one of the great Fulham moments.